Welcome to Mindset, a guide to getting out of your own way and a blueprint for professional success. Today, neuroscientist Shelley Lazlett is here to talk about inflexibility when it comes to our skills and our abilities, the kind of inflexibility that makes you feel like you shouldn't bother trying something at all because you're probably terrible at it and you'll always be terrible at it. I don't have a creative side and I think that I'm not a strong writer and when I have to write something creative it is literally my worst nightmare. They are the things I definitely struggle with. I always underestimate what I can achieve and believe there is someone more capable than me for a role. Shelley, where I've had bad experiences where I feel like I've failed, I visualise myself planting these big wooden stakes in the ground that tell people that I failed at this, I can't do it, and then I find it really, really hard to change my own mind or to figuratively move that wooden stake that I've put in the ground. Um, It's a weird metaphor, I know. I want to know, how does it actually work in our brains? Why do we find it so hard to change our own mind about our own abilities or to consider opportunities in our careers that we haven't considered before? So the how it works is a, is a little bit more complex. Uh, one of the ways that I can explain that is to do with something called top-down and bottom-up processing. So I think there's another concept around it to do with emotional pain. Our mind is, like you said, stake in the ground. We are designed to put that stake in the ground and it's designed for our survival because what it's saying is that was really uncomfortable. I was really threatened. That threatens my social and psychological safety. That threatens my existence. Don't do it again. So it serves as a painful reminder so we don't repeat that, which is a fantastic thing. It's actually a learning thing. So we are learning in that opportunity. We're learning what to avoid. And it's come from a point in time when it was also like, hey, that's a dark cave. I wonder what's in there. I'm going to go in. Oh, grizzly bear. Oh, come out. Now we learn to stay out of dark caves because it's a bit unsafe, but it's happening socially. So to your first point about the stake in the ground, that's a really important thing. They're actually experiences so that we minimize risk. We don't want to actually exist in pain in in a sort of neurotypical experience, neurotypical just being sort of a baseline healthy functioning mind. So that's a good thing. However, what our brain also does is says, well, that experience feels like these other experiences I've had. So I'm going to link all those signposts together and I'm going to put more stake in the the ground. And what that means practically is I'm going to make more neurological connections. I'm going to bring in more connection points to these synapses where our brain connects together. And I'm going to bring in more emotions and experiences which look similar and sound similar. Remember, our brain is a pattern and connection machine. We want to connect similar things with similar things. So that experience that I had when I was seven years old and I spelt the word wrong, that reminds me of what happens when I was eight years old and then I did it again or I got the math problem wrong. And then that reminds me of when I didn't get into advanced math. And that reminds me of why I'm really bad at stats and why I'm not a very good psychologist. Like I'm just making that up, but you can see how those points connect. So when we're talking about what do we do with it, it's just about being cognizant of that conversation and looking at those connection points and determining whether or not they actually serve us. So I can look at that experience and say, those experiences really marked my confidence my ability to believe in myself. But they also served as learning opportunities because after that, what did I learn? Don't stand up in front of the class. Don't put my hand up. Don't contribute. Worry that I'm not going to be a very good psychologist. So rather than, you know, sort of breeze through stats, I put in all my attention into stats to making sure that I did really well and I understand data really clearly and I'm probably really thorough now. So there's also a bit of an upside to that. What we don't want to do is diminish the painful experience in the same way that we don't want to diminish the happy experience. You know, emotions aren't good or bad. They just are. They're a part of it. So that painful reminder is our brain trying to protect us. 
It's trying to say, hey, this experience looks a little bit like this previous one we had in the past that was really painful. Are you sure we want to do this? It's a protective measure. So in that moment, it's about reassuring our mind. I know they might look and feel similar, but this is different for these reasons. I want to frame this experience in this light as an opportunity to learn as growth because I am capable. So thank you, brain, for seeing that things look similar and wanting to connect them to save brain real estate and processing power. But that's not what needs to happen here. So what I don't want people to fall into the trap of is this happiness trap. Oh, I can't feel any bad experiences ever. And I always have to be in growth mindset. And I'm never allowed to think of I'm a failure because that's just not practical, you know, and it's not healthy either. Like we can't feel happy, safe and secure all the time. What we want to is on balance with what's happening in our internal world, how we internally think and feel and externally things we can't control, that on balance we feel happy and secure in our ability to adapt and come back to that equilibrium, come back to that normal state, come back to that harbour. You know, it's the safe saying that, you know, Boats are safe in harbors, but they weren't built for harbors. Same with life. We're safe if we don't step outside of our comfort zone, but we weren't born to only be in comfort. And in fact, there's lots of data that says people that stay in comfort and don't push themselves, don't necessarily live happier lives. In fact, they're quite unhappy. So the point of all of this is those stakes in the ground, as we call them, you can decide whether or not they stay in that point or whether or not they move on. But please don't try and override them. Don't try and push them out of sight, the fact that they don't exist because they're valid and they're important. It is your brain also doing its job. It's just about taking very directive control about whether or not that experience or the anticipated experience, something that might happen in the future, belongs in that connection point or not. Okay. So if we're talking about looking for work, can we be too inflexible about our options? Can we have you know, too many requirements for a perfect job? Can we be too narrow about our beliefs and what our skills are in a way that holds us back? Yeah, there is. But generally that's governed by something underneath. If we're looking for too many requirements, we're waiting for the perfect moment, we're not actually ready to jump. Or we don't want to try because we're scared we'll fail. So we put in a falsehood like, oh, I'm just waiting for the perfect time because we don't actually want to do it. So I think what's important here is good enough. Is it good enough? Is it the thing that I need for right now? And often we can wait for the perfect job because we are terrified if it's not perfect, then it won't work out. But perfect doesn't exist. It's the right job for right now for what I need in my world in the way that I need to function in my world. Okay, so the flip side is being adaptable and being willing to roll with the punches. But is there a point if you're considering a role where you can be too adaptable and consider things that mean you're actually lowering your standards? I don't think being flexible and adaptable is settling. Settling is a bit more absolute. Flexibility and adaptability is required because nothing is set and time is linear. And I don't mean to answer that like a philosopher, but what I mean by that is you have to have some form of flexibility and adaptability because you're not always going to get everything perfect in one role or in one opportunity. You're going to get parts of what's important. So coming back to that, what am I motivated by? Does this opportunity satisfy some of what I need next versus what I need forever? So I think it's really important to check in with yourself here. If the settling is like, I'm disappointed in this outcome, but I know I need to do it. I know I need to take this role because it is actually probably the best version of what I'm going to get right now. 
take it with the with the context in mind that you're doing it for a certain period of time. There is an end date where you will reassess. So a really good example practical of this is the role is this, it's paid this, which I don't think is reflective upon what they're actually asking. And I think the role is a bit confused. So during your negotiations, sit down with them and say, look, I think it's probably a little bit higher from a salary perspective. Can we do a salary and a role review in three months time once I'm at my probation point? Negotiate it into your contract, negotiate it into your offer. So practically what you're saying is it's not the thing I want. I'm willing to try. I'm willing to take it, but we need to reassess it. So your brain goes, you know the end date, you know when it's going to be looked at, you know when it's going to be reassessed, build the data points in those first three months to validate the fact it is probably a higher pay grade or that it is a different level of seniority. So that's an example of where you adapt and flexible, but you're not settling to the point of being upset and you're not settling when you're not demonstrating you're disheartened with that idea. You're actually planning for how you're going to get it addressed so that you can adapt and move that role to where you want it to be. In our next episode, Helen McCabe and Jamila Rizvi are back to share their wisdom and advice on how they've transformed inflexibility into adaptability. Don't ever be the person that you hear saying, that's not the way we do it around here. If the moment you feel that, think that, well, either leave or do that self-reflection. Seek feedback, request feedback from colleagues, supervisors, mentors, um, anyone that you value um, about your openness to change um, and use the constructive feedback as a tool for improvement and growth. Mindset is created by FW Jobs Academy with support from the Australian Government's Office for Women. FW champions gender equality in Australian workplaces through professional development, advocacy and community. If you'd like to know more, go to futurewomen.com or find out how to register for our Jobs Academy at jobsacademy.futurewomen.com.